0: Hebrews chapter 11. We've been going through the book of Hebrews and this morning we're going to tackle chapter 11. Don't get scared. We're actually only going to do verses 1 through 3 and verse 6 um, and that's because uh, as a church on Sunday evenings we kind of just went through um, probably in the last three or four months all of the different characters that we find in this great hall of fame of faith Um, but there is some important truth that we need to be reminded of even in these verses this morning I have a question for you what comes to your mind when I mention the word faith and your response might be different than the person sitting next to you and I I can guarantee you if you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ um, it is different than someone who hasn't received Jesus as their Savior for the unsaved The word faith may simply mean a belief or um, what religion you have chosen to follow. But since faith is the conduit by which we tap into the flow of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ, is there a more eternally important concept to really understand? And no, I, I don't think there is. It's how we're saved, it's how we're sustained, it's how we come to faith in Christ how we continue in our relationship with Christ. You know, and of all the chapters in the Bible that might mention the word faith or give us an illustration of what faith is, I'm so thankful that God gives us these verses here in Hebrews chapter 11 because in these verses, he removes any and all ambiguity that our culture or maybe time has surrounded the word faith With Uh, this morning, we have a very clear definition. We have God's definition of the faith by which we come to Christ and by which we continue in a life of following Jesus. So it's my prayer that this morning we all learn what God wants us to know about this essential part of walking with the Lord. We can only do it by faith. Let's read uh, verses one to three and then drop down to verse six. Verse one says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. And through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, uh, I thank you, first of all, that you have defined faith. And I also thank you that of all the different ways that you might have uh, accomplished our salvation, I thank you that you have chosen faith in your grace to us in Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's one here this morning who's never Uh, trusted in you as Savior, young or old, I pray that that would occur today, that through your clear uh, definition of saving faith and sustaining faith here, they would come to know you as Savior, put their trust in you. For us who have, God, this is how we are to live our lives. It can be difficult at times. Tangible things like temptation and pain And suffering might come our way, threaten to shake our faith. That's the devil's design. He wants to destroy it. But you send these very things in order to build our faith. And so I I pray that this morning as we study your definition of it. And as we look at displays of faith. And as we consider the design of faith in our salvation. In our sanctification. In our walk with you. Lord, I pray we would respond to your word however the Holy Spirit moves us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look at verse 1. It's a definition of faith that says, first of all, it's substance. We've got it clearly defined here. Faith is the substance of things. hoped for Now, what does God mean by substance? The Greek word is hypostasis, and it means three different things. It's used five different times in the New Testament. Uh, Back in Hebrews 1, 3 was one of those. Uh, It was used to communicate essence, uh, when it means that Jesus is the essence, or he is the express image of God the Father to us. Uh, It can also mean foundation, as in the foundation uh, on which all of our hope is built And then finally, the third meaning, it's used in scripture to communicate an assurance. And the concept is that of having a title uh, deed in hand, having a guarantee of ownership. And and so honestly, in all three of those different meanings, I I think there's one combined central theme that God desires to communicate to us here in verse one, faith in Jesus Christ. We could combine all of those that faith in our superior savior is the essential foundation that assures us, it guarantees us that we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. Our faith who, in who Jesus is, our faith in what he has done for us on the cross and in the empty tomb, it is our title deed, our guarantee of eternal life. The guarantee of, what does it say here? Things hoped for. I just got a second, um, definition, evidence. Verse 1 continues to give us God's definition of faith by telling us that faith is the evidence of things not seen. And evidence in the Greek is a and it means proof. It means a conviction. Now what God means by unseen, I think that's fairly self-explanatory uh, when it comes to faith. But, but God here, he is referring to some particularly unseen things. For instance, when you trust in Jesus Christ as your savior, that very moment, the Bible tells us that you are born again. We use that term a lot. It's kind of our Christianese jargon. We're born again. And um, when a baby is born in this world, can you see it? Yeah, you can see it and you can hear it. And there's a lot of things you have to do to take care of that baby. Um, It's not unseen. But can you visibly see You're being born again in Jesus Christ. Well, you might be able to see the effects of being born again. Transform life. The Holy Spirit living in you. Um, But you can't actually see that instantaneous transformation that occurs at that moment. But knowing that it has in fact occurred, that requires faith. The evidence of things unseen. Um, The Bible tells us at the same event, when when you first trusted in Christ the Savior, when you were born again, um, that also results in you instantaneously being justified. Now, can you actually see the legal declaration that God has made of you, that not guilty verdict that he pronounces upon you? No, uh, you can't see it, but that doesn't make it any less true. Seeing it requires the eyes of faith. That's what God's trying to give us here. Uh, the evidence of things not seen. How do we know that these invisible realities that we're born again, that we're justified, how do we know that they are in fact real? We know by faith. Trusting what God has said, trusting in what God has done. We're given some displays of faith. I want to look at verses two and three here, really. All of Hebrews chapter 11 is about the displays of faith. The first display of faith is empirical. Verse 2 says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. And the vast majority of chapter 11 is the testimony of those Old Testament saints who lived. They lived by faith. And we've got at least 17. 17 plus characters of faith whose conduct was faith. We... We won't go through them. Like I said, we did this on a study in our Sunday evening um, Bible study together earlier this year. But verse 2 introduces us to these displays of faith by telling us by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. And so God commends them in chapter 11 here for their faith. And if you were to read down and if you weren't part of those Sunday night studies, I encourage you use today. Uh, you can do it while I'm preaching here, or you can do it later this afternoon. Use today to go through chapter 11 and read about all of these displays of faith. Um, But it was always displayed empirically. There's a faith observable, um, verifiable by observation. That's how every one of these faithful, full of faith, men and women lived their lives. Even now, take a glance at some of the individuals mentioned here in verses 4 through 40. And realize they they were individuals just like you and me, just like every one of us here this morning. And each individual, God wants to draw our attention to. He wants us to follow in the footsteps of. If you're looking down there, you'll notice two words that repeatedly stand out. By faith, by faith. Look at verse 4, by faith, verse 5, by faith, verse 7, by faith, verse 9, by faith, verse 11, by faith. Again, it keeps going through the whole, you might say through faith, through the whole chapter. And so what we need to understand more than anything about what God is trying to teach us here this morning through this is this. Their faith wasn't just cerebral. It resulted in conduct. Their life of faith wasn't just a mere belief It resulted in actual behavior. In each instance here, there was always some action that they performed by faith. And this is what God is asking of us and spurring each of us toward this morning as well. I'm so glad that God has removed any ambiguity from that word faith by defining it back in verse 1, substance Things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm glad he has, but as a great preacher, A.W. Tozer said, faith needs to be displayed, (laughs) not just defined. Uh, God's ideal for his church is not for faith just to be preached from the pulpit, but to be practiced by the person behind the pulpit and by every person in the pew. Uh, Tozer goes on to say, substance and evidence. They should be empirical. Our faith should be an observable action. It's not just a definition. Our faith should be a demonstration. Amen? That's what God wants from us. That's what he's trying to teach us here. That's the record of all these men and women we find here in this Hall of Fame of Faith chapter. And God puts them there because he says, I want their testimony To be your testimony, Christian. Now, Faith is also cosmological. And honestly, I battled over whether or not to include verse 3 in this particular sermon. But I I believe it's essential to any by-faith Christian living. Verse 3 says, through faith, or we could say by faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Or we could say of things that are seen. The things that we see are made of things that we can't see. And so since God has defined faith as believing in him by taking him at his word and responding in action, well, then our faith needs to begin where his word begins. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Please realize that faith does not pick and choose what parts of God's word are worthy of trust. It embraces all of God's word. It embraces all of God as dependable, as accurate, as life-transforming truth. We need to take God at his word when his word describes the cosmological, the origins of you and I and everything in this Universe that we live in. It is only by faith that we can understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Boy, God was way ahead of his time, wasn't he? Scientifically, I mean Hebrews eleven three, way ahead. You, the pew you're sitting on, the vehicle you drove here in this morning, all are things that you can see. Right? I see all of you. Can you see the pew? I think you see that, saw the car when you drove here. All, all things that you see. Now thousands of years after this was written, we currently have the technology and our human scientific knowledge that proves exactly what God said here in Hebrews 11:3. We know that every one of us, we are made up of cells. Can't see cells. Can you see cells? You can't use a microscope. Um, the pew, the car you drove here all made up of molecules, made up of smaller things, atoms, made up of smaller subatomic particles and quarks and things like that. Um, We cannot see them with the naked eye. And as far as the origins of everything we see and even those things which we cannot see, God's word tells us here in verse 3 that God spoke these things into existence. That's the record of Genesis 1. God said, let there be light. Spoke it into existence. Now, were I to walk into most universities and say the same thing I just said here this morning, um, I would at least be ridiculed. I'm pretty sure security would be called and I'd be asked to leave because there's some crazy person there. Because That's the reaction of the majority of the academic and scientific community. They would say such a belief is not scientific, right? That's what they would tell me. Well, Christian, neither is evolution or any other theory of origin. It's not any more scientific. That's because the origin of the universe, when we're talking about that, the cosmological, this concept is outside of science. No one was there to observe, to test, to record. No one was there. So whether you consider creationism or evolution or any other theory of origin, Whether you consider what the one who was there says or what fallen mortal man has developed and constructed, both of those cosmological theories must be held only one way, by faith. They hold it by faith. The creationist holds it by faith. Let's jump down to verse six. This is where we find the design of faith. First, faith holds to a reality of God. I think this is one of my favorite verses, verse 6, in all of God's word. This entire chapter is such a treasure. Uh, Faith is defined. Um, What a record we have here of faith displayed in all the people listed here. But here in verse 6, we're given God's design in faith. We're told how very essential our faith is. Without it, there's absolutely no pleasing God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. No other way. Um, Absolutely no chance of us pleasing God. No other way of us being saved. No other way of us being restored to relationship with God. I mean, our, our very reason for existence in this world. Except By faith. I don't know if you're like me. If you've ever wondered at times. Why God chose this faith in his grace dynamic. For our salvation. I mean he's not restricted. In how he could have accomplished. Our salvation. And how he could have taken care of our sin problem. Salvation is his doing. It's his design. So why did he choose. Of all the different things he could have chosen. Why did he choose faith in his grace? Well, Pastor John Piper answers my question in a very concise, succinct way. He says, faith is the God-designed means for our salvation because better than any other act, it fits with the grace of God and it magnifies the glory of God. And what that means is this. Were I to be saved by my own works in any way whatsoever, It would make negligible the grace of God. It would turn salvation into a business transaction. I did this, so you do this for me. That's not grace. Were I to be saved by my own works in any way whatsoever, it would strip the glory that is due to God alone for my salvation and give my works or me even a shred of that. That's why God chose faith in his grace for our salvation. Because better than any other act, it fits with the grace of God and it magnifies the glory of God. Who does the glory belong to? Him alone. Him alone. And God designed faith for that, yes, better than any other way. It magnifies his grace and glory. So here's the part one of saving faith in God's design. You have to believe in God. That's what verse 6 says. For anyone who would come to God, you must believe that he is. That's what God says here. You have to believe in God, that he exists. Now that's part one, because in and of itself, it's insufficient. It's inadequate uh, for our salvation. That's what God tells us in James 2.19, right? Oh, you believe that God is one? Great. You do well. That even the demons believe that. And they tremble. They believe that much. And they're obviously not saved. Uh, Simple belief in God is not enough. And one of the benefits that we are recipients of from the Protestant Reformation is a lot of theology that brings some clarity on saving faith as is designed in God's word. Uh, the reformers, Martin Luther, John Calvin, all of them, they taught that saving faith has three components. Uh, they used Latin terms back then. Notitia just means knowledge. You have to know about it, right? If you don't know about God, how can you believe in God? That's, you got to have that one. Notitia. You also need a census. Again, Latin for uh, assent. It's not enough to just believe in God. You have to also believe that uh, that's true. That God does exist, or not enough to believe in just Jesus. That he was a, uh, he existed, but but that what he did was true, and the way he describes of salvation is true. But even that's not enough. The demons again. James two nineteen said the demons believe that much. Saving faith goes a step further. The reformers taught that there must be fiducia, must be trust. that's where we get our fiduciary term in banking. There has to be trust. There has to be a reliance. There has to be a dependence. There has to be an, I want that. I need that. That's the third component, the essential third step of saving faith. That's where part two of verse six comes in. Yeah, you have to believe that God is. That's not enough. You have to believe that he is a rewarder. We see the reward of God here. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would come to God must, one, believe that he is, and two, you have to believe that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. A rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Wow. To me, what a great way to describe the trust and reliance in Jesus Christ as Savior that is that third final step of, of saving faith that trust, that dependence. I trust that you are a rewarder, God, <laughs> not just that you exist. I trust that you're good all the time. I trust that you're all powerful all the time. Even, even especially when life makes me think you might not be. You might not be strong enough to handle this. Or you might not be good in what I'm experiencing right now. I'm going to believe that you're a rewarder even when I can't just see the reward. What are the rewards? I mean, yeah, heaven, right? eternal life. That is the Christian's reward for faith, but only, it's only a worthy award because of who is there. Jesus. Because he's there. That's what makes heaven and eternal life a worthy reward. Is there a reward in this life? There sure is. As a follower of Jesus, you have a peace that passes all understanding. As a follower of Jesus here in this life, you can have power. You can have victory over sin that you were incapable of before you came to Christ and before the Holy Spirit uh, came to live inside of you and before uh, he enlightened you, uh, illuminated the truth of God's word for you. So peace surpasses understanding, power over sin. Those are our rewards in this life, but only because of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ who lives and works in the life. Of the Christian, and so the point here is this: What is our reward here and now? It's Jesus. He is your reward. He is your reward. David says as much in Psalm seventy-three twenty-five. I pray that would be the heart cry of every Christian here. Whom have I in heaven but you? <laughs> and there's nothing on earth I desire beside you. You're my reward. You're my reward. That's what Paul says in Philippians 3, 8. I count everything loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. I've got it. I've got my reward. David and the apostle Paul saw him as their reward. Do you believe that he is? I mean, that God exists? And more importantly, according to verse 6, do you believe do you trust do you rely on God not just as a rewarder but that he he is actually your reward I mean do you see him that way is there anything else you'd rather have is there anyone else that you'd rather have and question number one then is first of all do you have him and if you don't I invite you to receive him by faith this morning to be born again, to be justified. and Don't waste another second in this life pursuing anything or anyone else because nothing else, no one else can save. And Christian, you who have come to that understanding, nothing else, no one else can satisfy. Not when he's your reward. All of these counterfeit rewards that the devil hangs in front of us, all of them are are futile sources of satisfaction. That's been the human record as long as we've been alive. God has defined faith. Chapter 11 gives us display after display of faith for us to follow. And this morning we've learned of God's design in verse 6, God's design in faith, that your faith in Jesus would magnify God's grace and God's glory. Listen, when we look for satisfaction elsewhere, we magnify whatever we're looking at. Every single one of us magnifies something each day. And what we do and what we value and what we look at, you are magnifying something. And when we look for satisfaction elsewhere, you are magnifying whatever you're looking at. And the glory that is due to God and to his grace alone, it's stripped, it's stolen, and it's sent to whatever we're pursuing or loving more than him. If that's been a battle for you, won't you tell him that this morning? Just confess it. That's a battle for me right now. And then won't you pray that he will give you strength to make him the exclusive reward in your life. Right now, commit by faith to believe. More importantly, to behave. As all these people in Hebrews chapter 11 did. That he is a rewarder and that he is your reward. For all those who will diligently seek him. As Tommy comes